Just a quick word of warning before we get going that the following podcast will almost certainly contain spoilers and may also contain strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Hello and welcome to Minisode 148 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast that gives a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart, 50% vaccinated. Check you out. Yeah. How you feeling? Um, I'm okay now, but like, uh, it started around about like, uh, kind of bedtime on Thursday, I started feeling absolute garbage. And, uh, and it was it Thursday that you actually had it done? It was, yeah, yeah. And then like, mm, okay. Friday, I was just like, just rolling about in my bed. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Uh, it seems like if people are going to get hit by it, it's like 24 to 36 hours afterwards, it kind of really lays you up. But um, fighting fit again now then? Yeah, yeah, I feel fine. It's just some, uh, still some localised tenderness, Mitch, in the, in the ah, okay. arm. Yeah. Okay, so it's just it's like the standard needle stuff then. Standard needle stuff, yeah. <laughs> so, what have you been watching this week? Uh, a couple of things. Well, I, it's not so much things I've been watching this week, but I do want to touch on something that we watched a while ago because I didn't catch up with it last night. Although it did premiere last night at Soho Horror Film Festival's Shot Down Saturdays. Yeah, now um, I'm hoping to catch up with the rest of the lineup from this week, uh, just during the day today and hopefully into this mm-hmm. evening. But yes, you're right. The centerpiece of that last night, in fact, last night looked great in general because there was obviously Lenny that played as well. Also, there was a Ghouls magazine panel on uh, safety in film, sure. mm-hmm. which is, I believe has also been recorded and be able, you can catch up with, which is great. But yeah, we did also have the world premiere of Sam Ashurst's A Little More Flesh Part 2. Mm-hmm. Now, Sam's been on the show a couple of times, so uh, long-time listeners will know him for that. Also, um, you might have seen A Little More Flesh either during its festival lifespan when it's screened at Shotdown Saturdays or available now on Troma now now we are both big fans of a little more flesh yeah in fact it made your top five i believe of last year it did it was quite near the top as i recall yeah i think it was <laughs> I like think... the second like number two i think i think it was maybe number two yeah and i think that like it was so it was behind only the mortuary collection and i don't think you could really readily compare those two films oh honest, no, but... no 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 they are chalk and cheese my friend Yes, uh, so I think it probably could have gone either way in all fairness, but yeah, um, A Little More Flesh, obviously, like a very, very challenging, kind of very dense film, and Sam has managed with A Little More Flesh Part 2 to make it even more challenging and even denser, however, still thought it was great. I thought it was absolutely brilliant, yeah, and, and I think in a lot of ways, I kind of, I preferred a difficult word to use uh, when it comes to this film, but I, I think in a lot of ways, I liked it more. I think certainly in terms of keeping its themes like prescient and stuff like that, I think that shifting the kind of set into the present day, I know that obviously I'm a little more flesh is technically set in the present day, but it's talking about things that happened long yes, ago. Yes, yes, Historic events. I think with, yes, yeah, yeah, and I think that with A Little More Flesh 2 being set in the present day, talking about shooting films kind of during right now and during these times, sure. I think uh, is always going to make it hit a little bit harder if you handle the material right, which I think that Sam and Harley D very much do. I have to say, like, the kind of slow creeping dread and realisation of what is actually happening here is really unsettling, and then once that kind of hits you, 
it never really lets up from that point on and it just gets incrementally more disturbing. Yeah, I think that this kind of gets you in a slow grip to the point that like by the time it's gripping you really hard, you don't really notice until it really gear shifts. I think that also a lot's to be said for Sam casting himself as the villain so kind of fearlessly in this as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I think it's, I mean, I don't want to dig too much into it, but there's a, a certain callback to the first film early on that I think serves to reinforce what Sam's trying to do in this sequel. I think that kind of everyone, because this is obviously, it's all shot, it was all shot and put together um, during lockdown. Yeah. And I think that the way that they've kind of used that to their advantage means that that does it. It doesn't really feel that way. It just feels kind of very much kind of organic to what's going on story wise. Mm-hmm. But what I think is kind of cool about this is that I feel like Sam is starting to feel like a kind of like old time provocateur catering to very new sensibilities. And I'm not sure how many people are actually doing that right now. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. I absolutely agree. Like, I think what Sam's doing is incredibly audacious and very interesting filmmaking. Yeah, it's just kind of like kind of making these points with this incredible clarity and impact and working with these incredibly talented people. Yeah, I just, I, like, I love this, but I would probably recommend it to somewhere in the region of 4% of my friends. <laughs> generous, generous. Uh, yeah, there's some stuff in here that is deeply unsettling. Like, there is a 12-minute scene. As far as I can remember, unbroken shot. It is, yep. And, oh. I've never been more uncomfortable in the presence of dairy. Yeah, that's definitely true. Unfortunately, if you haven't seen this yet from the Soho link, that link's now expired. So hopefully there'll be a window for more people to check this out very soon. But yeah, worth a yeah. mention, absolutely. A little more flesh part two. Outstanding. Yeah, brilliant. And uh, more, Sam, please, as soon as you like. You got anything else going on outside uh, the side quests? I just wanted to quickly say one more thing on Soho Horror Film Festival. Big thanks to Mitch for furnishing me with a link to check out Cyst, which played last week. Yep, um, this was one I wanted to catch up with at Fright Fest when it played. In fact, I bought a ticket, but in the end I just wound up not watching it. Mm-hmm. I can't remember why, but for whatever reason. Yeah, very much my speed. Very icky, very sticky, very stupid. It's got George Hardy from Troll 2 in it, and Greg Sestero's in there as well from The Room. Yeah, this is dumb, messy fun. It's kind of my speed. Yeah, I think I'm more yours than mine, although I had an okay time with it as well. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's fine. Also, Mitch, congratulations. I see that your uh, pre-order for Raw finally arrived. That's it. Now you are addicted to buying physical media. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, it begins again. Um, yeah, that's going to be my Tuesday night this week. I oh, think. brilliant! Lovely. I'm just going to. I'm just going to like. Get, I'm just going to like get myself into bed at like seven p.m. with the nice wine mm. and just like burn through all the extra oh, the features. Oh, the nice and wine, then <laughs> <laughs> and then burn through all the extra features and uh, and watch the film. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool. Uh, yeah, that arrived for me this week as well as did the Psycho Gone Man Hunky Boy edition. Mm, seen that landing with a couple of people. Yeah, yeah, and the eighty-eight films Urban Legend collection. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. I don't know if I like any of them apart from the first one, but it's a cool package. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Neither did I, but I'm a sucker for a package. You sure are, aren't you? Yeah, because I kind of feel the same way about the third installment in the I Know What You Did Last Summer trilogy. I still haven't seen that. Oh, you're not missing much, my friend. That largely completes my viewing, except for one other thing, which I... Well, I mean, I've obviously got the the Nature Gone Wild thing, which we'll we'll talk about as well, but there's one other thing which we'll touch on because I'm sure there's going to be some overlap there. Okay. I will very quickly shoot through the other stuff that I've done then. Both of mine this week on Sky Cinema. Ooh, okay. So, and a mixed bag, I must say. So, first off, I checked out Tailgate from 2019. Okay, what's this? I don't know anything about this. Tailgate, uh, or Bumperkleef in its um, original title, because it's a Dutch production. Bumperkleef, or is this yes. like the, the, the Black Mirror follow-up to Bandersnatch? 
<laughs> Very good. Um, directed by uh, Lodovic Kreens. Okay. And uh, basically what you have here is... I wasn't sure what uh, what I was going to make of this to begin with, but basically what you have is this um, this family who are out kind of driving in presumably rural Holland, and there's kind of this incident where this guy kind of like tailgates this guy in a white van. Right. There's kind of like a road rage incident, basically. And the family stop at a service station, and the guy in the white van gets out at the same service station. They have this really uncomfortable conversation uh, the guy is this kind of like this older guy who's like this great tall very kind of kind of like a tall kind of skinny older guy but he's got like a very good intimidating screen presence right and basically what you have after that for because like, he basically tries to get the guy to back down the guy won't do it and what happens after that is you effectively have for at least the first two acts anyway it's kind of like a rural Dutch roadkill. Okay, and I, I know roadkill is a, like a very big favourite of yours. I am a, I am a great lover of that film, I must say. And anything and else I, that Steve Zahn's in. <laughs> Fairly so, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, th- I thought this was really cool, actually. And I like the fact that like it had a lot to say about misplaced ego and pride amongst men as well, because all of this could have been avoided if either one of the two of them had backed down. Right. And it obviously it escalates to kind of like fairly bloody and unpleasant places but really suspenseful and like I always think that when you get these stories that are kind of in a bottle like this is mm-hmm. when it widens out past that that's kind of where the film lives or dies because like for instance I think the one that sticks in my mind for this is it stains the sands red mm-hmm. which I think is very effective for the entire hour that that is just the woman being chased by the zombie in the desert and then when that needs to resolve itself with more characters in a different setting that's where it slips up sure tailgate has to do this as well and it probably does get a little bit silly but not to the point that you ever feel like it completely loses its grip on things I would say the end is pretty satisfying so yeah tailgate on Sky Cinema I think it played Fright Fest a couple of years back as well I really really enjoy this actually I um I would I would recommend it if you kind of want something that's kind of like fast-paced suspenseful and does kind of get you reasonably invested in the characters from fairly early doors I would say uh, you could do a lot worse than this it's really really fun I also mentioned a couple of weeks ago on the streaming platforms that Darren Lynn Bowsman's Death of Me was coming oh right okay yeah yeah again I don't really know anything about this or for that matter, I remember what you said about it in the streaming platforms, which probably doesn't bode that well. So I did say at the time that this was something that I thought that I might quite like. So what you have here is a couple who are on holiday, mm-hmm. and they're played by Maggie Q and Luke Hemsworth. Ah, uh, Luke Hemsworth, the third best of the Hemsworths. <laughs> oh this kind of eardrops you right into the action, because the first thing that happens is that this couple wakes up with no memory of the night before, um, and it looks like it's been kind of like a rough night. And uh, the only thing that they have to kind of help them piece it together is this video that they find that starts out with them on this night out and going for drinks and stuff like that, but ends with him killing her. Oh, right, okay. So obviously she's not dead, and they want to know what's going on. That's like the first 20 minutes, and it takes that long to get to the title card. And that's quite effective, that part, mm-hmm. but, um, because by the time you get to the end of that part, you do really want to know how, the, how we got here and how this works out, and obviously they don't really feel like they can trust each other she particularly feels like she can't trust him um (laughs) unfortunately what this kind of turns into after that to a certain extent is a you know what's scary native people and their traditions kind of film oh god (laughs) uh, to a certain degree and like what i was hoping would be a little bit more of a straight mystery kind of turns into a lot of this kind of like them racing around trying to piece this thing together and having to do a lot of dabbling in generic foreign mysticism And it just immediately, just kind of like when I realised that was where it was headed, I was like, I get the impression that I'm not going to like this very much. And as it turned out, as it kind of went on, I went from being kind of curious about it to not really liking it at all. This isn't good. I don't like it. It's unfortunate that it squanders such an interesting premise. Right, okay. Because it is a really interesting premise, I think. And it gets to, it's kind of like, it gets the setup spot on. What I would say about this is that I don't want to just be like, it looks great, but it does, but like, 
you've gone to a nice country. Sure. So, you know, if you show enough of it, it will look nice. <laughs> right, okay, got you. Um, but at the centre of this, what you do have is this kind of, like, very committed performance from Maggie Q, who is kind of, like, just absolutely throwing herself into it every frame of this and is really really battling to elevate material that doesn't really merit it oh, man. Um, okay. so what I would say is that like it's one of those things where it's like her performance is so good that you can see the seams more on everything else okay okay because when you watch somebody really grafting in something that feels so phoned in the rest of the time so it's uncomfortable to watch in that way I suppose a little bit but I think that that doesn't take anything away from the fact that she's really good right okay but um, yeah I would say if you're checking out anything of the stuff that I've talked about so far definitely tailgate would be the one death of me is pretty lazy i think cool so death of me thumbs down bumper cleef thumbs up absolutely yes Amazing. hard yes okay yeah Tail- tailgate's just like one of my favorite like thrillers that i've watched in ages actually like the more i think about it the more i like it however the other thing that i did obviously do this week was watch creep show series 2 episode 3 ah now let me tell you this much this week i went back and watched all of Creepshow from the beginning okay. um, so I am um, up to speed now on everything that has gone before the good the bad the throwaway quite frankly and uh, yeah this week so you're okay so you're fully caught up are you, are you coming on this are you coming on this venture with me now it seems so it seems so it's a train cool. I'm on now it felt like things were too far in the distance for me to really comment on but now I've just I just decided one day boof let's do it let's hammer this and yeah so yeah we're on an even keel now okay cool well, in that case let's have a wee chat about series 2 episode 3 then so yes. um, two segments as ever first up it was the right snuff uh, the Joel Lynch segment that was about the two astronauts <laughs> and a misunderstanding and this kind of like falling out over this prestigious honour that's going to be bestowed on one of them that's right yeah yeah we've got Ryan Quantum here from Dead Silence and Brecken Meyer from Clueless and Freddy's Dead and Road Trip. So what do you make of this? I thought this was okay. I know me and you had kind of talked kind of after last week's Minnesota when we kind of mentioned that this was going to be the segment, uh, we had talked about how concerned we were about the possibility of one of these segments finally being set in space and we both are of the opinion, I think, now that Creepshow is generally quite cheaply produced. I would say that's probably true. Yeah. How this was going to kind of translate and I don't think it works entirely. There's some stuff in here that feels very Jason X-y and I don't know if that's a good thing for me. Yeah, I'm the same. I can kind of buy into an element of that being part of the charm but I think that that only gets you so far and I think that there was a couple of points with this where it just maybe leaned a little bit too far in the other direction yeah I think anytime you're actually in the ship with the two guys it's fine it looks fine but I I feel like the minute anything tries to go digital to get a kind of sense of scale and scope it doesn't really pull it off convincingly at all although what I have to say is there is a hilarious big puppet towards the end it's amazing isn't it and I think (laughs) that like and I think like and I think that that is intended to be kind of ridiculous and I think that does land I fucking hope so because if it's supposed to be serious it fails on every level but no I like I say I I thought this was okay and I think that direction wise I think that like Joe Lynch doing fine work here as well I don't know it felt a little bit flat to me overall to be honest, this segment, especially uh, having seen a bunch of Joe's other stuff, it just felt a little bit flat and lackluster to me. Well, you will get to see another Joe Lynch segment next week, which we'll get to in a little while. Oh, cool. Okay. So next up then, we had Sibling Rivalry, a segment that was directed by uh, Rusty Cundiff, who directed Tales from the Hood and Tales from the Hood 2. Yeah. So this one was drafted into to replace a segment that got canned uh, that had Marilyn Manson in it, which is obviously kind of understandable. Sure, 100%. What did he make of this one? So what you have here is, um, it's kind of a lot of it. A lot of the segment is this young girl explaining something uh, this situation that she's in where she feels like or she's worried that her brother's trying to kill her and she's telling this to her teacher that's played by uh, Molly Ringwald yeah that's right and then obviously we kind of go on to learn a little bit more about how this is kind of more sinister than it first appears and all isn't quite what it seems 
What did you make of this? I actually thought this was quite fun. I had my issues with it. Um, one of which, by the way, was not the... There's like a kind of centerpiece blending of practical effect and digital effect around about the halfway point, maybe maybe slightly more in this segment, which I was mm-hmm. actually all geared up to hate, but I thought it actually worked quite well. I think that stuff really works in this, actually. I, I, I was the same. I was kind of like, when you kind of realised that was where it was headed, I was like, eh, how's this going to turn out? And it's great, I think. Yeah, it looked far better than I expected it to. When I Also, when I saw the direction it was going, and I, and I knew that that was likely what was kind of going to happen, I was like, okay, that, that worked better. But then there was some other digital stuff involving some blood and stuff which didn't track properly for me. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, I don't know, it felt, again, it's this, it's this cheapness issue for me. Like, some of the other segments earlier in this season, whether or not they were effective or not, they don't feel cheap. I don't think. Like, I, I feel like some of them, they feel quite rich. This just felt very cheap again. I don't know if this was made previously or if it was rushed together to replace the Marilyn Manson segment. I don't know the, the full story behind it, but it felt a little bit rushed to me, but I had fun with it. I liked it. I mean, um, I think that the cheapness thing didn't really put me too far out with this one because I think that it's operating in such limited parameters because it's basically told in two rooms. Yeah. And, um, and the kind of central practical bit worked. So I think that beyond that, I wasn't too worried. I did think, actually, I liked... Um, Maddie Nichols in this. Yeah, I thought she was um, a, a cool screen presence, quite funny, dead likable. Yeah, I thought that considering, I always think that like you know, you know when people who aren't that age write dialogues for characters who are kind of like mid-teens. Are you going to talk? Are you going to bang on about Diablo Cody again? No, I'm just going to say that I think that this one gets it really right, and I think that it all feels kind of quite authentic, and she's really quite endearing in yeah. the way that she delivers it and stuff like that. And as this goes on, and we learn a little bit more. Yeah, I thought this one was fine. Another like reasonably strong episode. I keep you. I think that season two yeah. is a substantial improvement on season one so far. I think I preferred this week's episode to last week's episode overall. I would probably agree with you because the pesticide segment last week didn't work for me at all. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't a massive fan of that. But, oh yeah, we'll have some more info on what's coming next week in Creepshow a little bit later on. However... Yeah, nature gone wild, and I want to reach out and say a big thank you to our old pal film fan Stevie for suggesting that I watch this film. Okay, this is always uh, so. This is always death. Carry on. It's not as bad as all that, but it, I, I have to stress it, it wasn't great. Uh, back to two thousand and seven for Caw. Caw is in the onomatopoeia. Yeah, yeah, but uh, with a K. All right, okay, okay, that's unusual. Um, now, if you can imagine Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds, right? With you so far, but much cheaper and with ravens. Okay. <laughs> Then you, my friend, are roughly on the right track. So this has got Sean Patrick Flannery in it, who, of course, we know from Saw 7. <laughs> He's the dud character from Saw 7. Oh, God, I hate him in Saw 7 so much. Uh, <laughs> me too, yeah. But he was also young Indiana Jones, and, and he was in Boondock Saints and stuff like that. It's also got Stephen McCatty in it. These guys are kind of the top-line actors in this. So, like, I mean, they're both really good actors. They're kind of wasted in this. Also, Rod okay. Taylor, who is like the main male hero in Hitchcock's The Birds, is in this as well, playing the Doctor. Right. Some of this really works. It's a really good blend of like real ravens and digital stuff. Uh, there's a lot of kind of cool animatronic ravens as well. Some of it's quite gnarly. It's surprisingly gnarly, actually. But okay. ugh, it was just so average. Like I don't like Sean Patrick Flannery at all. I can't. I just can't get on board with him. I kind of. I kind of don't get along with him as a screen presence either. I must say. I mean, he's he's your main man. He's like the chief of police. Um, it's just. It's not good. It's not great. It's just. It just another one of these films that just exists to kind of suck from the the bones of the buds. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And the, and the fact that they've cast Rod Taylor in, in this and one of the the last things that he. 
he did before he died. Apart, like the last, I believe his last screen credit was in Glorious Bastards. I, I mean, it's just, again, it's just pure stunt casting designed to go. Do you remember the birds? Well, this is us doing that. But yeah, like, like, oh, do you remember this other film that is infinitely better? <laughs> Risky Venture, that always. Yeah, but uh, it's not the again, it's not the worst film that I've done on this venture by a long fucking shot. Still, Shark and Saw, Women's Prison Massacre. Oh, I've got to, I've got to say yeah to that man. Like that's horse shit, quite frankly. Bottom of the battle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, nah, it's fine. Call it's on Amazon Prime if anyone's interested. Thank you. <laughs> what a shocker. Moving on. Feedback time then, and as we celebrated our third birthday this week. Yeah, yes, congratulations, Mitch. Yes, congratulations to you also. We marked that occasion the only way that we knew how. We had Duncan McLeish back. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for the fourth time and his film selection this time was Larry Cohen's The Stuff which went down very well with you guys and with you yeah yeah I really enjoyed it but yeah a lot of people getting in touch just kind of talking about their affection both for the film and for Duncan uh, Stephen <laughs> Wales saying excellent choice of film Catherine Mazer saying I love Duncan oh right okay new t-shirt uh, idea <laughs> yeah, absolutely uh, meanwhile also we've got Fee Bunny on Twitter Carpenter is God she uh, gave us a shout out on her feed as well because uh, she was settling in to watch that one night I think it was maybe uh, Thursday or Friday right Mm-hmm. so big thank you for that as well yep uh, I've got Dan Popomatic here saying Amazon Prime assures me I have already watched Larry Cohen's The Stuff but apparently I was too off my gourd to remember I am therefore diligently watching it again for my strong violent PC homework unfortunately I'm also drunk from my best mate's civil partnership earlier uh, Dan you got to break that cycle my friend you got to get the stuff in your eyes sober to fully appreciate the cutting critique of consumerist greed absolutely you want to have a fresh head on your shoulders for that fresh head clear mind so you, you can be as angry as Larry Cohen is exactly with a clear head you're more likely to get radicalised by his like anti-consumerist and anti-excess message <laughs> I have a couple more things on this stuff uh, Andrew Barron getting in touch simply saying when it comes to strong violent PC I always want Mo. <laughs> yeah, we all want Mo. And uh, Laura Byron getting in touch by an LV on Twitter just saying enough is never enough and has somehow found a gif of um, Jason destroying the supermarket. <laughs> <laughs> Which he also posted, which is great. Um, I have one more thing that's non the stuff. So if you want to burn through everything else that you've oh, got, oh, I've go got for it. so much. I've got another thing on the stuff here from Kevin Matthews at Saltad Popcorn saying, "Great chat as ever." Two things: one, custard and rice pudding are both eaten hot or cold, so I never worried about the optimum serving temperature of the stuff. I've got to be honest; I don't even think I knew that about custard and rice pudding. To me, they're hot dessert accompaniments. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would probably be inclined to agree, but they might work cold. Yeah. Two. I will not be judged by Duncan for my ice cream eating sessions. One session equals one tub. Oh, hard disagree. Hard disagree yep. there. I'm afraid, Kevin. I don't do that myself, but I'm going to respect Kevin's right to do that. Sure. Now, uh, Mitch, you made a call last week. We put out a Patreon episode, an Irredeemables episode, no less. On yes. Marcel Waltz's Blind. Yeah, as the Irredeemables continues to widen out into you guys just daring us to cover films and us just eventually doing them, uh, we did Blind this week. Yeah, now that was a thing that happened, and when you trailed the fact that we were doing this episode in the Chud Locker, uh, check me out reading stuff from the Chud Locker given that I have no prior viewing of it until now. Um, yeah, yeah, I thought I would give you a little peek behind the curtain. That's pretty great. I'm about to read you nine quickfire comments on our episode about Blind. Okay. Mark Logan, oh for fuck's sake, I'm off before I start. Steve Care, can I say this? What a pile of add four letters after. I'm guessing they mean shit. Rebecca Barr, I echo the above comments. Mal Jutley, a gif of Steve Harvey laughing that says, you full-blown crazy. Caitlin Downs, <laughs> just saying, oh no. 
Darren Gaskill <laughs> saying, oh, good Lord. James Rodders Rodriguez saying, you poor, poor souls. Carl Anthony Smart saying, oh, bollocks, can I cancel my Patreon subscription, which seems <laughs> seems pretty harsh. And a bonus one from Rob Thorpe, which is just ha ha ha. I love the fact as well that presumably all these people who were like cautioning us against us and calling us poor fools and stuff might be a little bit put out by the fact that we didn't really think that it was that bad overall. No, no, we were just like, uh, yeah, it's... it's it's not as bad as some of the other films we've watched for that purpose. Yeah, it's not great, but it's not the worst. Yeah, it's not Shotwave Dark Side or Veronica. Absolutely not. No, no, no. Um, I'm going to do my last one and then you can bring it home. Okay, lovely. I want to say a quick hello to Turnstile Blues. It's Sugar Ape on Twitter who got in touch saying, I may have missed this, but have you guys seen Palm Springs? Recently landed on Amazon Prime. I really loved it. It's Wrist Cutters mixed with Groundhog Day. Now, I think that that is a, a pretty good pair of comparators, to mm-hmm. be fair. I think that that's just about right. Um, to answer your question, I watched it this week. Um, so that's the time loop Andy Sandberg, Christina Milioti thing that um, just landed this past week, or kind of, yeah, I think it was just the beginning of the week. Yeah. I thought it was pretty good. I liked it. I'm not quite as kind of like rabidly enthusiastic about it as some people are, but I thought it was pretty interesting. I think that with time loop stuff, you have to be trying to do something a little bit new and a little bit different at this point. And I think that it just about manages it. Yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Cool. I've been dancing around it for a couple of days, uh, so I'm going to get on to that this week. I had a kind of like Amazon original premieres stint this week and watch that and Sound of Metal and they're both I, I thought Sound of Metal was sensational I watched Sound of Metal this week it's absolutely brilliant it's incredible yeah it's great uh, Scott Cairns then rounding out the feedback this week uh, just getting in touch to say based on a Twitter post by Mitch Bain we gave this a watch last night and really enjoyed it nicely made very well shot and lit and has an old school movie vibe definitely recommended and the film The Power ah The Power that's a Shudder original from last week that is a really good film that is good yeah so yeah it is once again time then for Mitch's Pitches. Now Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone It will be a poster from a horror film from years gone by. He'll have photoshopped out the title and the tagline and everything else. Well, not everything else, but all the identifying <laughs> text. He'll have left only the image, specifically. Yes. It'll fall to me to describe the image to the best of my ability and, where possible, to give it a title and a synopsis. Needless to say, we'll share it on social media as well so you guys can join in on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, last week we had Pin. We did, yes. Yes, of course. Uh, this was reappropriated by me as Kill a Guy or Die Trying. Yeah, by the way, a couple of people getting in touch to say that they also love Pin, so thank you, Pin fans. Pin heads. Yes, good to hear from you all. Needless to say, we did have um, a few people getting in touch with pitches this week. Gorehound on Twitter. Brian Potter is back and coming to a working man's <laughs> club near you this Monday. But this time it'll be socially distanced, even if it kills him, in 2021's Phoenix Frights. Oh, cool. Okay, good, good. Uh, Cosmic Ray Girl on Twitter. Russell O'Leaf is not having a really good day when his chair gets stuck stuck at the top of the stairs can he shift his weight enough to get down it's 1995's Stairway to Heaven the bigger the push the bigger the heave-ho oh my god I, I, I'm worried about Russell yeah it's just like he's having a time Hanny underscore Ray on Twitter then a family discover their attic is haunted by the restless apparition of a veiled woman in a wheelchair waiting for our long long since departed can ghost exterminators spook so plenty help <laughs> <laughs> it's the very literally titled 1972 class Classic, help, there's a ghost woman in our attic. <laughs> um, James Rodriguez that on Facebook, having lived his life as a half-human, half-bike hybrid, burning rubber Brian has felt shunned <laughs> from the taunts of humanity. He's always wondered what lies at the bottom of his family basement and makes a plan to overcome the steps to discover the truth. Will his curious endeavours result in a really bad time, or will it lead to a good year? It's 1975's oh unfolding mystery, Hot Wheels. <laughs> 
<laughs> I would have liked to see someone do a sequel to whatever they pitched for uh, The Incredible Mr. No Legs. Absolutely. Yeah, that would have been good. Um, Laura Bynan writing this out this week then. <laughs> I must admit, you know when you just know you're going to like something after like the first five words? Yes. Forced perspective guru Jetter Paxson <laughs> spent the 80s and 90s making Up look like Down and Down look like Up. Angered by the rise of CGI, he goes on a mm. killing spree throughout the film biz in 2001's Miracle Mile, It's Only Six Feet. <laughs> wow, okay. Very clever, I think. Yeah. I like that. Best pitch to James uh, and best character name to Russell O'Leaf. Fair enough. So our winners this week then, James Rodriguez and Alexis on Twitter. So uh, big well done to you guys. Big words are nothing winging their way to you as we speak. I've just hit the dispatch button on that. Oh, okay, cool. I didn't know we had, I didn't know we had one of those installed yet. <laughs> just a sweet Patreon dollars. <laughs> just a big massive red button. Clang. Yep, that's the one. So it's my turn now. It is now. Uh, are you ready? Oh, go on. Okay, it's on its way now. Okay. Okay, yeah, you're right? stepping into the pitching kitchen there to see if you can rustle up anything good. Any tasty pitches? <laughs> okay, let's see. Let's get into this. Right, I would say that this is and it isn't simple, I think. Right, okay. Okay, so uh, there is no border. Okay, it's a white border to this image, actually. Sorry, it's just difficult to tell because the background is also white. We are set against a cityscape here, and in the foreground of the image, we have got a man who looks like he's wearing a black jacket. He looks like he is in a state of some distress. He looks okay. a little bit, he's got a kind of like a 70s Jack Nicholson thing going on. Okay. Kind okay. of hair wise. Right. You know? I, I get that. Yeah. Like, late, yeah. like, last 10 minutes of The Shining. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of, yeah. That, that kind of thing. But his eyes are closed and he's screaming, and with good reason. He has a giant gaping hole in his stomach which inside we can see two heads. They look very similar. Um, it's two kind of angry-looking, potentially bald, goatee-sporting men who both seem to be tearing a piece of meat in their teeth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so we're kind of like, we can just we can just see their heads and kind of just their faces, really. But yeah, they're, um, they're, they're tearing at a piece of like raw meat in their mouths, and this man is screaming. So there you go. Um, against a cityscape, uh, Jack Nicholson-looking man screams as uh, two heads in his stomach fight over a piece of red meat. <gasps> yeah, fine. Yeah, cool. Okay, right. I will need a moment, of course. Uh, absolutely, yes, please. So, Andy, I gotta tell you, uh-huh. I uh, I did a little bit of a snacking experiment this week. Huh? Really? <laughs> I did, yeah. I was in my local Sainsbury's, which is one of the many outlets that stock um, Snyder's of Hanover's jalapeno pretzel bites. Yes, pretzel pieces, please. Pretzel pieces, yeah. Um, So I bought a bag and took them home. Right, okay, yeah, you didn't just bust out of them in the street like an absolute maniac. (laughs) No, no, I showed some restraint. But um, i I got to say, Andy, i got to hand it to you, you were 100% right. Um, What an explosion of flavour. Oh, oh, they're unbelievable, aren't they? This is fucking really tremendous. They really are tremendous. Um, Yeah, i got to say, so that's Snyder's of Hanover. <laughs> Welcome aboard, my friend. I think that if they don't hear us this time and go in for an endorsement, I think it's maybe time to like uh, hang our hats up on that one. Yeah, but I just wanted to, I just wanted to add my voice, supporting voice. We're keeping them afloat, really, at this point. Yeah, they're just going to be like looking at trend graphs, being like inexplicable upward spike in sales on the west coast of Scotland. Well, I mean, they'd be used to that, so they would see uh, like from my consumption, so they would see a demonstrable slight growth from that. 
compared to the usual mm. explosion whenever I go through one of my Snyder's <laughs> phases where I just, that's pretty much all I eat. Yeah. Um, okay, I think I've got something here. Cool, amazing. Uh, we could talk about Snyder's all day, but I'd like to hear your pitch, please. I'd yeah, like to see what you've that. cooked up in the kitchen. Okay, here's what we got. Gianni Artificiano is a genetically modified <sighs> super soldier carrying out high-level espionage for the Italian government. Gotta be honest, Mitch, I'm nervous at the name. <laughs> in an attempt to bust an illegal cocaine smuggling ring in the canals of Venice, he's ruled with bullets by mafiosi and appears to be killed instantly. However, what the gangsters don't know is that part of Gianni's top-of-the-line engineering is an emergency two-goon deployment system that triggers when his heart stops beating. Bursting forth from the gaping wound in his abdomen are two near-feral, slavering vigilante cannibals hell-bent on serving up justice, whatever the cost. With the Venice criminal underground submerged both in water and chaos, what starts as a deadly fight for survival soon becomes a deadly fight for survival as the flesh-hungry operatives end up on a collision course with newly made man Jimmy the Hat and his sidekicks Johnny Armbreaker and Luca No Nickname. The canals will run red with blood in 1979's mob exploitation masterpiece, Stomasochists, Large Intestines, No Mercy. Wow, okay. So, there's a couple of things I want to point out here about what, yes. you've, what you've done there uh, with this pitch. Okay. One, you've correctly identified that this is an Italian film. No way. Yes. Two, Please do that. Okay. perhaps not a massive stretch here, you have correctly identified that it has a strong cannibal element. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm happy with that. Yeah, well, good, good. And three, and perhaps most surprisingly, you have come remarkably close to getting the date correct because the actual year that this film was released was 1980. Oh, okay. I would that's about as good as I've done for a while. Yeah, so uh, the film is Antonio Margariti's cannibal apocalypse ah okay okay so what's this all about although i can kind of guess and who's synopsizing well the synopsis this week is coming in from sujit r varma on imdb okay and this this really is this is quite comprehensive here it starts off in Vietnam, where John Saxon gets bitten by P.O.W. John Morgan. Uh, by the way, John Morgan is the alternative name for Giovanni Lombardo Radice, who was in, like, City of the Living Dead and Cannibal Ferox and stuff like that, uh, who has been infected with some sort of cannibal virus. A few decades later in Atlanta, Georgia, Saxon wakes up from a nightmare flashback of what actually happened back in Nam. Saxon then receives a call from Morgan asking him if he wants to go out for a drink. But Saxon refuses, remembering the incident in Nam. Morgan has turned into a cannibal and is soon on the run after biting into a woman's neck. He barricades himself in a department store and shoots some folks with a shotgun. The cannibal virus spreads and soon Saxon joins veterans Morgan and Tony King, along with some others, to wreak some havoc. Wow, okay. Um, how is this? I quite like this one. Like, uh, this is one of the more action-packed cannibal movies <laughs> that came out in the late 70s, early 80s. Uh, yeah, I quite like this. Got some cool, like, the, the actual image there is a cool kind of explodey stomach image mm-hmm. that actually kind of happens in the film. Pretty good. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. It's good. Excellent. Okay. That concludes Mitch's Pitches for this week. That image is everywhere. You know what to do. Yeah. Thank you very much, everyone who pitched, and we hope to hear from some of you this week and read your thoughts out next week. Absolutely. So, stream on platforms then for the 19th to the 25th of April. Amazon Prime, as far as I can see, nothing genre incoming really there. Okay. Uh, Netflix on Thursday 22nd, we've got Stowaway. A three-person crew on a mission to Mars faces an impossible choice when an unplanned passenger jeopardises the lives of everyone on board. Right, okay. Now TV 
Stevie on Friday we've got unhinged Russell Crowe as the psychopath that could happen to anyone as he lives up to the title in this road rage fueled thriller. The synopsis, not the best. Rachel yeah. is the single mother whose bad day gets even worse when she beeps her horn at a fellow driver during rush hour. An exchange of words reveals he's following her and her young son in his truck. The initial case of road rage quickly escalates into full-blown terror as she discovers his sinister revenge plan. Wow, okay. Yeah, I actually Sweet. saw a trailer for this. I thought, oh, Tori. Yeah, I think a couple of people spoke about it pretty positively at the time, if I remember rightly. Um, Shudder have a couple of cool things. Both on Thursday, we've got the children first. Okay, what the children is this? Uh, 2008, when two British families gather mm. together over Christmas, yeah. a mysterious illness befalls one of the children and quickly spreads. But this is no ordinary flu. Something about the sickness turns the tots into nihilistic murderers who'd think nothing of stabbing mom or splitting dad's head open. Kids can be so cruel. After the surviving adults and teenager Casey realise what's happening, escape soon becomes the only option. Tom Shanklin's terrifying chiller earned critical raves and a cult following upon its release in 2008. So that's out there, also coming this Thursday to Shudder we've got Goodnight Mommy oh okay cool yeah in the heat of the summer lays a lonesome house in the countryside where nine year old twin brothers await their mother's return when she comes home bandaged after cosmetic surgery nothing is like before and the children start to doubt whether this woman is actually who she says she is this is great yeah my film Remnant opened for this at Sarah Loud Screams ah nice yeah I think, I think I remember you saying that yeah also, we have got on Shudder, of course, Creepshow Series 2, Episode 4, also landing on Thursday. So, two segments, as always. First one is Pipe Screams, directed by Joe Lynch again. Yeah, what do we have this week from Joe? A drain clog turns out to be more than matted hair and soap scum, and a down-on-his-luck plumber is tasked with getting it under control. Trouble is, the problem has a mind of its own. This uh, stars Barbara Crampton. Oh, okay, okay. And uh, also we've got Within the Walls of Madness. That's directed by John Harrison. A top-secret government compound has evacuated a scientist's fight to contain the creature they've been studying, but is the true threat one of them? Ooh. That's your lot for this week. I would say uh, the pick is a little bit of an open-and-shut case. I'm going to go with Goodnight Mommy. Yeah, I'm going to agree. So turn on the attentions to this week's show, then. Yeah. We do have a guest again this week. He's an actor and screenwriter that you have most recently seen in the Deku original series So Far So Close on the short queer thriller The Latent Image. Mm-hmm. Also co-hosts the podcast Return to Eerie Indiana. Yeah. It is Mr. Joshua Tonks joining us this week. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about this. Uh, and it's been a little while since I saw the film. Uh, my memory is not positive but i'm willing to be proven wrong because we are going back to 2010 for wes craven's my soul to take now i've never seen this one because i've been kind of warned away from it so i'm very curious about this so yeah Mm. this is going to be interesting also want to give josh a shout out because the first thing that he wanted to do was scream for and the only reason that he couldn't do it is because i picked it before (laughs) i don't like it I like it a lot. But yeah, this week, another first watch for me, needless to say. We're talking My Soul to Take with Joshua Tonks. Now, how are you feeling about that? If you want to get in touch with us, there are loads of ways you can do that, of course. Facebook and Instagram are Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us at Strong Violent PC. You can join in the conversation in our Facebook group, The Chud Locker. And you can also email Scenes at gmail.com. Oh, and on that, Mitch... I know that there's been some talk, mainly from you, about retiring the email as a kind of contact method because, let's yes. be honest, we don't get a lot of contact from, certainly from the listeners, we get a lot of stuff from like PR companies and stuff like that, but we had an email this week and I just want to quickly mention it because it came in from Jason Bunashek. Now, Jason emailed before and I butchered his name and he got back in touch Uh, to say the following. Personal anecdote. I play my podcast while working at the little card table that is my home office and Strong Language Violent Scenes was playing one day when my wife came home. We were talking, I was half listening, you really should pay more attention to your wife, and then I brought it out. (laughs) What the hell? 
hell? They're talking about me. I had to back it up to hear the full thing. You were apologising for messing up my last name and reading my email about the head mirror from Dr. Butcher MD. Remember that? I do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so that was just a hilarious coincidence that it came up while my wife was around. For the record, he didn't do any worse with my last name than anyone else who doesn't speak Czech. It's pronounced Bunashek, which is why I pronounced it correctly this time. And I'm sorry to have inflicted it on you in the first place. Jason, thank you so much for getting in touch and really giving the email a reprieve from, like an 11th hour reprieve from the electric chair that is consignment to history. Yeah, that's like a stay of execution through June, I would say. Yeah, Jason, thank you. Your pin badge will be on the way as of today. Yeah, thanks for getting in touch, Jason. Great to hear from you. And I would say that even though those emails are months to a year apart, they're probably two consecutive feedback emails. <laughs> That might actually be true. Uh, like, legitimately might be true. Uh, yeah, patrons, uh, another episode coming this week. It's another A Look At episode. And uh, yeah, it's an interesting one for sure. Yeah, diving back into Shudder this week. We are indeed, yes. However, we are back in your main feeds, of course, this Friday. We are talking My Soul to Take with Joshua Tonks. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chads. Goodbye. Bye, guys. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean. <laughs>